Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Why some of us are really deprived or depraved or struggling, wherever you are right now, is not God's fault. You chose it. And I'm going to walk you through it. So I want to be starting this morning from a particular scripture, Romans 7, 15. Now, this was the... Rejoice. You're going to navigate with me, okay? Just navigate it. So that... Okay, today I actually was supposed to sit down because they actually said in the video, I always leave the frame. I, since we have only one camera, they'll be looking for the voice, you know. So this year I was supposed to sit down, but um, I will try. I will try. But this is it. Um, this was Paul speaking now. And um, if I, I, we don't have TPT. And our reader was fired last week. Right. But let's go on this one. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Go on. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law, that the law is good. 17. And it's, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it is seen living in me. Now, this is a bit of a contradiction compared to what we know of Paul. You know, Paul was always saying things like, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. But Paul is articulating a tension that you and I may be very familiar with. Like, you wake up in the morning, there is that tension between the already and the not yet. You know, we actually, we, we, we start with the finished works of Christ. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a conqueror. I live in grace. I overcome, I overcome. But you overcome and you have porn. You overcome and you're depressed. You overcome and you're this. So how do you reconcile both realities? When on one side you confess that this is who you are in God, yet your reality cannot hold a candle to who you claim to be. This was what Paul was saying. The apostle Paul, the anointed one of the Lord, the one who Christ now lives in him, is telling us here that by I am struggling. Baba was, the truth went, it was very radioactive about it. Like, guys, this is it. So think for a second that you're not alone. Before you got here, Paul was here. But this is why we're calling, in 2020, I will show you pattern in Paul. So in the message translation, Paul said something. He said, is, is my, he said, is my false self. That was the word I was going to pull out in the TPT translation. He said, is my false self that is playing out this card. What is Paul saying? He's saying that there is a self that is false. And perhaps there's a self that is true. So what you find inside of the tension between two selves, two opposing selves. And you know, he gave an account where he said this, that there's, there's the spirit and there's the law, right? There is the flesh. There's always a tension between the spirit and the flesh. But the, the flesh is trying to have supremacy over your mind and over your thought process. And yet the spirit is trying to have supremacy over your mind. So this is what he was dealing with. Because when you got born again, yes, you got born again. It was a spiritual reality. But guess what? Your mind didn't come into it with you. So even while you were born again, your mind has files of memories. Your mind has files of your past that is still dealing with. So your thought process is still going to be something that you're called to renew your mind, right? God did not say, Lord, will renew your mind. He actually said, you, my friend, would have to renew your mind. So here's where we get into this whole conflict between the two selves. The false self and the true self is where we're going to dial this morning. But before I get into this, yesterday I shared something on the group. In fact, I wrote that thing until I have a chapter now in the new book of writing. <laughs> That's how we're going to finish that book. So I've been writing this book about God's nature and God's love. 
But um, there, there's a scripture I stumbled on. I was doing this study. And if you look at um, 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1. Now let's look at 1 Samuel, Samuel 24 verse 1. 2 Samuel 24 verse 1. 2 Samuel 24 verse 1. Michael, give me... Uh, okay, we can use anyone, but... Um, anyone, NIV, KJV, anyone, anyone. Or Amplified, or NKJV, anyone is fine, but no message. Okay, no, 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 it's not... I, I'm a lover of all translations. I'm not caught up in the, the, the drama of who is translating what into what because I use all so I see perspectives and I'm richer for it I'm richer for it right I'm richer for it I'm not one of those that will say this is it no my brother embrace all right because this this Bible was not written in English you understand it's been, they've been translating and translating so if you want to if you say you want Hebrew go now I wish you well Alright, so um, again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David against them to say, go, number Israel and Judah. Now, these are some of the images of God that has been causing confusion. How can you just sit down all by yourself and you went to David and said, David, my friend, oh yeah, go and count people. And you know what David did? David obeyed. The Bible claimed that David obeyed. Guess what happened? 70,000 people died. After the census, you know, David wanted to collect taxes. The, the country was growing. The population needed a census to know how to prime up the economy. So it was, it was the king. And then cost 70,000 lives. Now, this was Samuel giving an account of this. The same story was written in Chronicles. See First Chronicles 21 verse 1. First Chronicles 21 verse 1. The same account, the same consequence, the same kind, but a different writer. And this person says, now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to known by Israel. So, people of God, now what they doing here? Who is at work? Is it God? Is it Satan? This is the enduring drama. I have all this group where they added me to be the one to answer all these tough questions. So, I've been writing exams. You know, but it's fun to be, because this, these are postmodern people and for them, they, 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 the way they process these things is, is actually a big part of it. But let me give you, permit me to introduce a possible. What you don't understand is that the writers of the Old Testament at the time had a concept of deity. And God was not a name. God was an office. And what it means was that when they talk of God, they are talking of God's. They were talking of, they had a poly, polytheist, polytheistic view of the world. When they talk of God, they are talking of gods, right? And even when God encountered Abraham, God told Abraham, okay, let me introduce you to who I am, right? The creator. So I know that you know, you guys have the oars of, the, the of the Chaldeans, they have other gods. But Abraham, I'm coming to introduce to you God. So their concept of God was not that there was a God who was good and a God who was evil. Their concept of God was dirty good and evil coexisting as one. Just the way your father, if you, if you were back in the village and you were back in the days when Shango was king, was, you understand? The way they understood Shango, they just projected their understanding of Shango and God. So when they hear that God has spoken in Shango, they, they, they hear God in Shango's voice. And when they, even when you go down to the east, they hear Amadioha. So when they hear that, they could relate with the God of thunder. 
That's why some prayers in Nigeria is, is very, very radioactive. Because the truth is, they understand it. You know, they, they are coming from a generation of thunderous gods. So when they hear somersaults and they thunder you, in fact, everything within them rises up. But here is the reality. What their understanding of God was a bit complicated. Anything that happened, they said it was God, right? And let's track how everything started to play out. When Adam ate the fruit, right, and everything crashed, God showed up. Guess what? God, when God asked Adam, Adam, God said to them, Adam, what have you done? You know Adam's reply? Baba, the woman you gave me. God was shocked. In one moment, Adam has switched, you know, and let's not forget that God said it is not good for man to be alone. Baba saw his loneliness and said, lonely night, Adam, thou shalt not endure. And God moved quickly and gave him a bride. And then when things went south, Adam just pinned it on God. Baba, well, it was your idea in the first place. <laughs> um, we, we, we just have to share the blame. So what happened is that a man that has broken out of God, a man in separation is incapable of reflection. So the way he does it, rather than take the blame and heal, he projects the blame on others. And we call that concept in sociology scapegoatism. So scapegoatism is when you just realize that now you'll be our problem. Everybody just wake up. If, if, if like maybe chickens or, or dog kind of dying in the whole neighborhood, they wake up and say, but why is your dog dead? Her dog dead? His dog dead? What's happening to the dog? And you're like, I don't know. You're responsible. And suddenly they, they will heap everything on that person. And that's how caste system came about. It came about because they will say, this is our problem. Sometimes they will go to war. But let's ask if, if what happened? If deflated and said, uh, well, Baba, let's not even start because, you know, the serpent was around the corner. Yet again, she was now incapable of reflecting and taking responsibility. She projected it. Now, let me tell you that this is where it begins. Evil has a human origin. Evil has a human origin. And this is what happened. The moment God said, let us make man in our image and after our darkness, God took the greatest risks of life. The risks of making himself, giving you two things imagination and will when God shared that that is actually what makes God God will and imagination is of the God class it doesn't belong to mortals to just any, think about it the entire creation that we live on today from industrial revolution to technology revolution is because man has imagination and has a will so there's a good side to it and yet there's a collateral damage but even talking about the good side when God said, let us make man, guess what God said? He said, now man, you have what? Dominion over the fishes of the sea. You have, you subdue the earth. You can you know what God did? God literally took his sovereignty and shared it with man. So what it means is that God is not entirely responsible for the state of the world. He's not entirely responsible for the state of your life. Even if he has a plan for you, you must go create it with him. Because why? He shared sovereignty with you. And he did not, yes, sin brought, what happened with, in sin was that man could not believe what God believes about him. So man started to play out wrongly. But when God has fully restored us, he has restored you to return to that place of dominion. So you create from a place of image, not from a place of brokenness. But track with me, if Adam, everybody started to deflate blame, right? And it went on and on. God became, the, the, God, somehow God became, even when Cain killed Abel, God showed up like, where's your brother? You no, know, Cain said, um, am I a brother's keeper? Come on. Cain, got, Cain was rude. A knock on the head for me would have saved him. You understand? But guess what? God even went ahead and put a mark on him and said, Cain, here is the reality. Anybody, anybody that attempts to kill you have to face me. God protected the murderer. 
So everything that was playing out in the Old Testament is a mixture of both good and bad. And there are many things that you don't have a concept of. Back in the day, this man who wrote this thing, the world was what? Flat. Just hold that plank for a second. The world was flat. What it means is, if the, if the writer of the, of the, of the old, most of the writers believed the world was flat, they did not have concept of galaxies. They, did not, they could not imagine planetary system. For them, the sky was just, was just, was like a, a, you can reach out to it and somehow, in fact, there was a story they used to tell us that the, the sky and the earth used to like meet. And I, when people were doing wrong things, it started to go up, go up until, I don't know if you guys heard that story. Yeah, yeah, folklore. You know, if you were raised um, in some kind of neighborhood, you should know these things. Right, but this, that was how the separation started. My point is, all of this, their understanding of God was primordial. Let's not even forget that back in the day, men used to marry their nieces and their cousins and even their sisters. So think of the world in which we live. You, the modern mind, will say this is insects. It is impossible. Well, back in the day, Sarah and Abraham had the same grandfather. You understand? So when Abraham is my sister, it was half-truth because indeed, though they've been married for years, there was some kind of family connection there. So if you carry the Bible literally and put it in the context of your life, you're going to get into trouble. Now, what I, what I want to tell you here, Samuel is right. Chronicles is right. Because the Bible was not about empirical evidence. So all those people that will go and Google biblical inconsistencies, they'll be happy. Fed, where are you? Reconcile, please. You understand? All those biblical inconsistencies. My brother, the point is the Bible was not trying to be empirically correct for you. The Bible was about authenticity. And authenticity is not consistency. My point is that each writer was bringing their experience of God. And God said in Hebrews that they wrote from a veil. They wrote from a, sort of like a concealed understanding of who I was. God was trying to say the God in Hebrews, Marco. Let's read one more. God was trying to get across to them. But they were interpreting God from their culture. So God was always trying to get to them. So that was why God did something to Abraham. When God showed up and told Abraham, like Abraham, I need your son. It was a common thing. Gods were taking children. And it's an honor for, son, for the God to demand your son. Because the blood is now fresh of the Lord. Right? So that was the way they understood it. That their gods would take, once the God said, bring your son, your first son, God actually spoke. God was deconstructing Abraham's understanding so he could reach him. And when Abraham showed up with Isaac, you know what God said? Abraham, learn this lesson. I am not the God who takes, I'm the one who gives. I'm not demanding your son, I'm supplying you a lamb. So in this relationship, guess what? I'm going to keep the covenant and I'll keep your covenant. Even the covenant God made with him, God said, I'll keep my own and I'll keep your own. God was introducing to grace. For the first time, he was seeing the God that was separate from the gods. Because all their mind was that the gods brought... So could it be that even while God, you could interpret that God brought the flood and destroyed the generation, or you could interpret that God was the ark, securing humanity for another re reinvention. Your interpretation is your truth. What you choose to believe becomes your reality. That is the danger in the Bible. That people can believe that the people from the village chasing them, and they will see village people. You just open your door, see fly. You understand? Or you just open, you see feather. You understand? You say they, they came for me. You understand? You know, like, I remember there was one particular place I worked. There's this elderly lady. You know, we leave. You know, she would leave. Um, she she would come with holy water. She would pour it on her seat. She would leave. Do you know, in my life, my life was was there was no village people. I'd kill all of them. So I was so free. So if I, the woman would leave cake, she would come back like she would look at everybody and she throw it in the bin. I said, no, madam, I can't finish that for you. <laughs> Let me neutralize. 
she like fed you one day you will learn. She was telling me that one day you will learn. You don't know that what people are wicked. You know, I don't know her journey. But until these demons, you understand? So my point is, you are you you the moment you that's the power of the mind. You see the image God shared with us, that imagination and image, it is truth. The moment you allow it to dwell in your heart that village people are coming after you, they will traumatize you, you will see them. And the moment you believe that God is a, a, is a tyrant, you will see tyranny. The moment you believe that God is a bad God, you will see. The moment you believe he's a good God, you will see it. That's why Jesus Christ came. And you know what he said? No one knows the Father. He wasn't saying so. He said, no one knows the Father. Including Abraham, including Moses. No one knows the Father. But I, and he was revealing to them. The first thing he did, he opened the lid. I am God, your Father. He brought a word that they could never conceive. They knew God as a creator. They knew God as a warrior. In fact, they went to war. When they lose the war, they say, God, God is punishing us. When they win, God dealt with them. Like, they were always about this. Even when God was bringing them through out, God even was trying to break out of it. God was bringing them out of Egypt. Jesus Christ, their bad belly was on steroids. You understand? God was gone for one day. They would turn it. Just, God got them out of Egypt. And he said, let my people go. 400 years a slave. He said, let my people go. He didn't say, let my slaves go. So the good news is not good instruction. It's, not, it's good news is that you are not being reclaimed by God. God. You are not meeting God the way God wants to introduce you. Now when you come to the interpretation of the Bible, you must resolve in your mind that you see God through the eyes of Christ. And if you see God through the eyes of Christ, you know, you can believe, and there are scriptures that can allude to this. You can believe that God slain his son for the sins of the world. Somebody can interpret that because they are writing from a culture where the gods can kill their sons. But when you see it in the life of Christ, you know what he says? For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So God was not the one demanding the blood. He was the one doing the dying. God was not the one killing. He was the one dying. He was in Christ, dying for the world. He was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18 is there, right? Go and read it. God was, was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So we cannot allow our minds to be bombarded by all the fragments of what you think God is. Find your truth in Christ. And what you believe, you become. What you behold, you become. If you believe today, so there's something I call the concepts of life. And I'm going to talk about concepts of life today. That's why we have a board. So there's something called precepts and concepts. Brother, there are concepts. So you know what concept is? Anybody here? Concepts, concepts. Ruben? Concepts. Anybody? Okay, children. Ideas. All right, ideas. Anybody else? So they are really like building block ideas. They are like structures of thinking. So for instance, if you want to understand any discipline, you must understand the concepts in that discipline. Do you know if you're an engineer and you don't know velocity, my brother, you're in trouble. Because velocity is a concept in, in physics. And it runs through, if you don't know the principle of relativity, right, as a concept in physics, you cannot create, if you don't know electromagnetism or thermodynamics, you would have gaps. Have you wondered why we have many engineers, no invention? The con we have a concept problem in this country. Concept problem. Even law, we have a concept problem. Do you know if you're a true lawyer or you're a true legal mind, the moment you hear that somebody was freed up and, you know, you cannot stay more than hours in detention. If you're a lawyer, you will wake up 
in your spirit, holy, holy, righteous indignation. Like, did they detain somebody for more than 24 hours? Because you know the concepts that they've broken something called the fundamental human rights. And they violated the principle. And to violate one person's rights is to violate rights of every man. Except you, go and, you went to do law for money. You understand? And that one is there, shall. But if you did law, if you did law for sense of social justice, you will not sleep. So imagine you will now go and you think about it. In Nigeria, you don't hear that. They, they, they arrested the person in court. Like, they released him and rearrested him. And everybody's thinking, ah, this government, God, this is, is this how we're going to, like, no, you should be thinking, where is the next protest? We will not take this. You understand? But the, the hunger in the land, everybody's like, man, because honestly, they don't know the concepts of law. If you know the concept of law, you will not buy into that idea. There is also the concept of faith. There's the concept of, of the kingdom. Talk about it. There's the concept of the kingdom. So there's precepts and there's concepts. If your concept of life is flawed, build a skyscraper on it. It comes down. That is the thing. So some of us are building our faith on the concept that is wrong. One of the concepts you must have of God, of your faith, is that God is your father. It changes everything. And I'll tell you how. I have a five-year-old, right? And you know, ah, Christ, people, may you know the love of the Father, Christ, honestly. I cannot tell you anything else because that thing opened the watershed for me. Realizing God as my Father and knowing Him in union has become like, I live in constant peace and joy. I am not traumatized by depression. Depression is a symptom of concepts that grasped about God. It's actually playing out. So let me tell you how it works. Do you know, for my five-year-old, I, I, like I said, I didn't give birth to him to say, to be a judge. So I'm coming down and said, what's committed today? Please bring me the book of noisemakers. Everybody's going to get 12 or 36. You know, back in the day when we were growing up, my parents used to put it 12 or 24, and it was in that range. Understand? <laughs> Abuse. <laughs> He survived. But at the end of the day, my point is, I didn't give birth to him to now. There is no relationship before I come his instruction. So sometimes I, his mother went to block all the channel. I don't know how she did it. But she went to block everything because too much Disney. You know, they might just see two people kissing. And there are six. And she's like, Jesus, it's not working. So she blocked it. And this is full subscription. You understand? So I'm not having to rethink it because it, you cannot be doing full substitution like that. But my point is, <laughs> at the end of the day, he now came and negotiated with me. He now said, okay, that mommy has blocked this and I want to watch um, PJ Maxx. I said, okay, is it possible that you can unlock it for me to watch and then for just that one and then you can unlock it again? So I said, okay, um, then what would you give me in return? It wasn't the Isaac principle. You know? Isaac told Esau, make me some soup. So I'll bless you. The guy missed it though. Why Isaac, Isaac, Isaac didn't use his brain? Man, I've gone to the den and I just hand and pick one fresh, this one, and slice it and roast, give him a soup. And Isaac went for a fresh kill because he saw went for a fresh kill because his father told him, I like it fresh. Have, have you met those men? Have you dated the men that will say, I don't eat a soup that stays overnight? It's a fresh soup for each day. Such was Isaac. Isaac was trying to do fresh soup for a day. And why Esau? Well, Esau was now trying to follow the line. Jacob and his mother made him the delicious one. And he, he could not tell the difference between fresh and unfresh. Because I can bet you, Jacob did not catch that one that day. It was already there. You understand? Freshly, freshly killed. So you cannot tell the difference between freshly killed and caught. 
and freshly caught, fre freshly home and killed. I, I don't know if you got that side journey. But at the end of the day, he came to me and started to negotiate because there is a relationship, right? So I told his mom, he wants to watch PD Max. He has agreed to read a book, right? And then help his brother play with the toys. You know, the, 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 the giveaways is evil, right? So I said, let him have that. And she said, if you're going to stay there and watch with him, that's fine. So I stayed and watched, looking out for whom to devour. Like any, any trace... <laughs> Any trace of flying kisses, like, I bind you, you understand? So, but I don't know whether we're going to even succeed in protecting them like that. Because this world, the moment you turn your back, somebody has moved, you understand? So we just have to trust God, right? But my point is, there is a relationship. And that relationship, it will be out of place for me to say, God, I have a plan for you. You must be a doctor in this house. God is not like that. Though. So you say this God has a plan for your life. There's a sense that it is true, and there's a sense that it is not, it's not true. I will unpack it for you. This idea that God has a plan for your life has crippled a lot of people. I met a lady, at, we were classmates, university. This was some years ago, some people were not born there. You understand? But it was like, this was almost, almost 12 years ago, 13 years ago. You understand? That far gone. Guess what? Until one time, be a, a doctor, but she didn't study medicine, she studied physiology, I think it was physiology, and she's now working for, she's, she's like the COO of a company, one tech company where they sell educational software type stuff, and we got talking, you know what she told me, she said, um, I said, oh, so you're having fun, so, and she said, but I really feel I miss the will of God, so I paused, because you know, that conversation, she's having it with the right person. You understand? She said, I miss the will of God because I, I'm still feeling I want to go back and do medicine. You understand? I said, Auntie, if you're going back to do medicine because you love it, please go. Do it. There's nothing stopping you. But never live with the sense that you miss the will of God because the will of God transcends medicine. God's plan for your life is not that if you don't be doctor, you're not going to enter. That is a life from hell. See, that is the God of Zeus. It's the God that they carried this God is a, is a tyrant. He's a monarch. He gives you one direction. So you know when, when you now feel like you've missed the plan, you're not living in, in fear. But does he have a, God has a plan for us. He said, my plans and my thoughts towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. But that plan he was talking about is not a plan. It's more a story. It's more something that unfolds, not something that is static. It's a dynamic. So God is not the one sitting down from you and said, brother, biology, physics, chemistry. That's the road to being a doctor. Feel it in your jam now. <laughs> if that's the image of God you have, you just see him over your shoulder say, put it there, put it there. God is not that way. God is the image of God that you will see in union. He's a God who is standing in front of you with all balls of possibilities. He's saying, brother, where, do you, where are you going? Like, is it medicine? Is it law? Like, my purpose is in all of them. Like, I am in, if you choose to be that, enjoy your life. Because why? You are mine. I am yours. You are my son. And you are Fedi Ba Abba. Like you are Inyola Ba Abba. The very daughter of God. And as a daughter, I don't impose. I co-create. So in this is an unfolding truth. That as you walk with God, you begin to discover things. Trust me, the life I now live, I did not conspire or create it all. I did not sit down one day and tell myself, even tribe, is this year eh, that I say, no, do church. I just told myself, no, do church. 
You understand? Two years, but because before now, we used to feel like, don't get religious about it. Oh, let's, let's not get it. You know, and I, I wanted peace and rest. But it turns out that in church again, you are not having more enemies than before the world. It's like, it's like, are we, it's for the love of God. Right? So it's like, they were, I was supposed to do this, you guys, that's how you remove me anyhow. Like, okay, the Lord loves you. You understand? So, but at the end of the day, God is actually that God. He says he's the God for whom all things are possible. I'm not like the God for whom one thing is certain. He's the God for whom all things are possible. So if your concept of life and God is that you have a one-track journey, you are going to have a deprived approach to God. You're almost going to be almost impossible. Let's look at that scripture, 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 9. You, you, you will not, end, your, your life will be, see, whether you're in Lagos or yeah, God is neat. And my point is that you don't have to say, okay, I missed it. I was supposed to be in Lagos. I have a job in Abuja. Therefore, I'm waiting for the will of God. The will of God that you will be like Christ. <laughs> That's the will. He has predestined you for confirmation. The other one is co-creating with you as he unveils. So when you now say, if God has put something in your heart, fine. And as you walk with him in union, he will drop the directions in your mind. He will tell you this is the way you ought to go. You're not saying that, no, 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 he has given you the idea. He will make it happen. Don't start saying, I'm immobilized, I'm paralyzed. I'm analysis paralysis, waiting on something, trying to seek him in another place. Yeah, he is already new. He has bridged the distance. So what you need to do is, as you try with it, people who don't lack intimacy, they're the ones that are always seeking answers. When you seek answers outside of you all the time, it's because you don't understand that your very, the mind of Christ has become your mind now. Now, there is the already and the not yet. So as you walk with him, he's deconstructing your motives. So at some point, you want to be famous. But you want to be famous for the cheeks. You understand? Like you're, you, we know, like you just want to be the life of the party. But the moment you encounter him in you, you realize that that motivation changes. But you might still be blessed with fame. But at that point in time, the fame is no longer serving self. It's serving kingdom. So what he realizes is that God drains. He said he drains your motives. So your thought process is your greatest ally or your greatest enemy, not the devil. The devil aligns when you align with your false thought process. The moment you identify with your thought process like, I am weak, trust What he did in Christ, what he did in Christ is called a new creation. What he meant was, in Christ you have all you need. He obliterates your past. He declares you what blameless, innocent. So when you wake up in the morning, he's clearing the blocks so you can create. He's clearing the blocks so that you can dream. Because if the enemy comes, we spoke about the true self and the false self. The problem with the false self is that the false self is a construct of culture. So if you follow your, your false self, there's a word I call, um, I call this word, um, psychologists, they call it going native. Going native. Come on and follow my right here. Then there is something called cultural conditioning. Going native and cultural conditioning. What this means is that if you're born in culture, if you're born, you are, you, going native means becoming like your people. And if you don't understand that in this country, uh, when God said, revealed himself as a creator, it was an invitation for you to create. So, your interpretation of faith as faith to receive is only inferior to the revelation of who you are when you realize that you have faith to create. 
Everybody God works with, they were not sitting down to say, Lord, Lord, bless me with it. No, they were, faith is actually giving. You have imagination. God wants you to create. And it's not just create in the context of your, your concept of wealth. If your concept of wealth in the kingdom is that anybody that has a private jet is not making heaven, I pity you. Because God has, has nothing to do with that. He wants us to be generous and to serve the poor. But you cannot reduce everybody who has a private jet to pagan and mammon. Are we saying that there are not people who you manipulate people so that they can get these things? We are saying that they are. God will judge. He's, of course, he called them. He will judge them. But you should never reject throwing the baby and the bait water because something has been tainted. So your idea of God now is, do you know, I used to have that problem actually. I would not even conceive of um, SS. So I was sitting with a friend one day, the guy said, ah, when I enter my runway, you know what I told him? You have such monstrous imagination. I called it monstrous. Now what are you doing with a runway? That's too much SS. Right? I don't know that I am there, but it's okay if that's his, his, if, if that's his imagination. My point is that people, if you, if, you don't, if you don't envision it, you will not have it. Because at the end of the day, to have a private jet means that you can scale your imagination for God to show you what is possible. See, we can celebrate Kenneth Copeland. We can celebrate um, Rehan Bonke as the greatest evangelist. But go and check the man who founded his ministry the most. It was Kenneth Copeland. So why we criticize Copeland for having jets and this thing, the guy was funding the kingdom. Rehabunki would have been broke in Nigeria. If, if, no, no, my point is somebody has a revelation. So can you leave this duality of me versus them, us Republican, Democrats, BDP, APC? That is such an inferior place to live. That is an inferior place. You don't have to win an argument and somebody can lose. It's only the false self that plays to that. So this false self plays to what I call native reality. So your native reality is that you were born in a broke home. And let me tell you the facts. There are concepts of, of, of life. If there's a concept called scarcity, and there's a concept called abundance, and they're like a spectrum. So I was born in a house where my mother used to measure everything. My mother would even tell you, please, do you know, um, you have to be careful not to press the toothpaste too much. Because if it comes out, why are you wasting it? So, I, do you know, there was a time I used to feel that things would just finish. Even when you buy bottled water, I'd be like, what if it finishes now? Like, your mind is just, you're thinking scarcity. You don't understand that some of us carry that scarcity to our startup. And God could not scale you because your mind, your, your concept of scarcity become your lens. When it is time to scale, you say, no, 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 you can't handle that. And you are, you're killing a dream because you're, you have not spent time to investigate your concept. Let me tell you about relationship. For many people who are coming from broken homes, if you don't dial into your concept and ensure that you have, you, are, you heal, heal in your heart and heal in your mind, you're likely to set up a, a chain reaction or a spiral effect of mistrust. Somehow, they don't just have a positive frame of reference. So, the idea of a home might be, they, they, they enter marriage with the hope to leave. And they just tell you, if it's not working, don't waste your time. My point is that, at that point in time, your concept of marriage has already entertained the possibility of flaws. So, you don't understand that your marriage is a reflection of you. And you come into that, even relationship, the moment you, your concept that can, maybe you've, you've, you've dated a guy that cheated on you. And before long, every guy that comes must be, is a suspect. And you're dialing his, his, you're checking his Facebook, who is he liking? You understand? Why are you liking, why do you like that girl now, that girl? You understand? You get into delusional jealousy. 
delusional jealousy is that only you amplify what is not there. You understand? And you're creating tension. You know, you, you're creating tension not because the person is necessarily innocent or not, but my point, you amplify it and guess what? That which you are entertaining and creating will become your reality. But is the word of God true? The word of God is true. Is infallible? It cannot lie. But by the time you now start taking on, you understand, your religiosity and your, your culture to interpret things, you miss it. If you say man has come, you are right. You will get a few and more. If you say whatever you call women, you are right. You will get a few and more. Because life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you profess, you, 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 you possess. What you behold, you become. So I'm inviting you in 2020 to put a dent to everything that you've always held that is not consistent with who you are in Christ. If he has not condemned you, don't condemn yourself out of truth. Don't live in the false reality of saying, this is who I am, this is all there is. That is the native reality. The word of God, the Bible we've come to receive is about ultimate reality. In this one, you are deliberate about who you are in Christ. You speak it in your mind, you see it in your prayer. Your thoughts are consistent with it. And let me tell you, I'll show you two scriptures to show you how Jesus thought. Michael, let's do John 11, 11. I'll show you the thought pattern of the kingdom. And if your own life pattern is not going to be consistent with that, depression will press you. Every night, they'll come. Do you know, I used to even have, I used to have this thing where they, they'll press me. They used to press me. Because that, like I wake up, no, honestly, and I, I wake up and somebody was there pressing. But then you wake up and you're like, what, what was this? And you go and read this online, pressing at night. And of course, <laughs> one psychologist will be there asking lyrical and saying, well, this is what it is. When, the, when you press your night, my brother, you're just going through a tough season. So what it is is that take time to reflect, reflect, meditate, just re get a, go, go swim, release the tension. <laughs> you understand? You understand? See, but we know how to deal with this person. We deal with them. Just honestly, people that if you go, if you are going for more than two deliverance, you are over, you are over delivered. <laughs> One is enough. You understand? The next deliverance is not the renewal of your mind. It's not about rolling and falling. You've rolled enough. So get up and clean up, and then make things happen. If you're rolling every day, you wake up on your mind and you're condemned. The enemy will come and slap you. Baby, you know you're not adding up for the Lord. Are you like, you're back there. But see what Jesus said. After he had said this, he went out to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And guess what? Lazarus had died. Lazarus had died. But why was it difficult for Jesus to admit that Lazarus indeed is dead? He was teaching us something about the words that we speak. He was pointing out our thought process. Even when Lazarus is dead, he did not admit to himself. He said, our friend Lazarus has, has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Show verse 12. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. So guys didn't code. They didn't get him memory. So let's go to 13. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus had to break the kingdom code. He said, guys, let me let you in on this. 14. So he, then he told them plainly, guys, if you don't understand, like, you know, your parents say iti, iti, or, or lodo, Lazarus is dead. That was when they got it. But think about it. It took Jesus a while to admit that Lazarus, he kept, and then you wake up in the morning, the first thought that comes to your mind, this, this country is too hard. Do you know in that moment you said it, you've aligned the forces of, 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 of the enemy to bring hardness to your life. This, this postmodern mind, we don't understand it all. The postmodern mind is, I'm vulnerable, I'm real. 
<laughs> I better be that real that you're real that is not real in God is not the authentic real. You understand? So you can be real with your feelings, but if you're not real with who you are in Christ, you're not real at all. It's an unreal real. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you now start to affirm those negative thoughts. Jesus here refused to. He told them, but see what, somebody was mischievous, 15. See what the person said. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him, 16. Then Thomas called Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, let us go with that we may die with him. This guy will not make the cut. <laughs> I, I bet you that I will not last a day. You understand? But do you know some of us, this is us. And it's us and our friends. You know, and you, you, a guy is checking you out. And your friend is saying, I, I, he sees his eyes. I know them when they cheat. <laughs> Babe, shut up. You understand? And then, do you know in that moment, you may not say anything. You say, hey, how would you say that? But a thought just, a concept just entered. And you're just so... And you're going in two months into the relationship, three months into the relationship. You're like, I know that I'm seeing signs. So you're looking for signs. And you don't know that you're not looking for signs. You are creating the sign. And you're creating the cheetah. And you project that on him. And then you begin to see patterns. And you give it life on its own. So Jesus kept saying, these people did not get it. So my point is, in 2020, are you going to side with everything you, you believe about yourself? Or you can side with the word. See, the word of God is clear about us. The God, the God has, he has invited us to be more. Let's see the second example. I think it was in John, John 6, 5. So think about, just see the thought process of Christ. The guy don't, but kept saying, the guy is sleeping. You understand? He had to even let them in on the secrets. Now see this one. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now think about it. How many crowds? How many were these people? 5,000. You went to school, Shay. People went to Bible school. Which one? Right, but 5,000 men, you know, and back in the day, we let's assume that women attend church more than men. So if they say it's 5,000 men, there could be a possibility that that man did not include women. So if you add women, it might be 5,000 men, 10,000 women. And then children, one mother to two children, and let's not just think like that but my point is that I need you to see scale and Jesus said he's, he asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do so he asked his disciples Marco let's see that question again in five see the question when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him he said to them to Philip where shall we buy bread for these people to eat let's think about the question there are many ways you could have asked that question but if you're here if you're a realist like some of us claim to be your question will not be, uh, where, can, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? You're probably going to say, um, huh? yeah, you're going to say, how can we feed? You know, when you ask, how can we feed, you've changed the dynamics. So. And the concept of how and the concept of where, there are two different things. The one that is asking, how can we feed? His faith is not even, his faith is, the one that will say, it's time to close or people need to eat. That one is not even, that one is not even on the line. <laughs> that one is not on the line. Like it's time to close or people need to eat. You understand? And they'll be looking time. Now, those ones, they're not on that journey. But see what, see what he go to six. And he asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, this is the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom, I will show it, we'll close with Mark 4. But let's see. Um, Marcus 7, 
Philip answered him. Sit now, see Philip. Please, please help us, help us study Philip. Philip actually, think about it. You know, these guys were not coding. They were not coding. Philip said eight months' wages would not buy enough bread. And guess what? They did not ask him. They did not ask him. He's answering another question. If they ask you, where can we buy bread? You should say, Mawachi the rice further down the shop. Or we can send Peter and Paul to go to Agege. Peter and, and, and John, they can go to Agege and get us uh, Adiboloja bread, right? They can get us those type of bread. That one that you're cutting and it grows. <laughs> you know, the bread, that one, I, I think that one can feed 10,000. That one can feed 50,000. As you're cutting, if you get 50 baskets to go home, because it grows, it draws. I don't know if you guys... Well, for those of you that are, uh, for those of us who just sort of go back, I know that it's not something we kind of know, but it's okay, right? But see, see what, see what, see verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. See what this one is saying. Here is a boy with five small belly, uh, belly leaf, uh, loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? These guys have a problem. This one saw small, but he couldn't see scale. He's only said, Baba, this, this thing now, my front row. Lo. <laughs> you understand? You know, the other one was not even seeing front row. That one was saying, close shop, go home. <laughs> but this is the way of the kingdom. You, you don't believe there is an opportunity for you in Nigeria here until you go to Canada. You shut yourself out of the possibility because the way God made us, God put inside of you the capacity to be supernatural. So the divinity you carry is a divinity that can create. And the moment you now say there is nothing in me for you here, you shut yourself out of opportunity. That's what we're dealing with. Though. All the prayer requests, you become a prayer tourist. But your heart and your thought process is not renewed. You will build churches and you will be broke. Like you will be sowing seed because you will be a member of all the church. Yes, you know, I really need to be able to say, no, Ferdinand, I'm a member of the tribe, but I, my father's church is, um, I, is on the mainland, so I kind of like, uh, I have a church, right, and I come to tribe. You know, you, we, we, I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so tribe is a place where I see people with two members. Like, you know, I don't know how it works. But my point is, these guys could not accept the thought process of the kingdom. In his own mind, he was thinking impossibility. And yet you serve a God for whom all things are possible. But your mind has always entertained the possibility that your career, you can't climb, you can't grow. Can we just for a second pause and think? Marco, let's close with this. Mark 4. Mark 4. Now, this is where it gets more interesting, guys. <laughs> said, this is interesting, guys. If you are deliberate about your thought life this year, don't just give your mind to anything. And this is what it is. Um, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it and sat sat in it out on the lake okay while all the people were along the shore of at the water's edge next he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said okay listen a farmer went out to sow his seed now this is the parable of parables if you get this thing you will get a fundamental principle of life he's saying that this is the fundamental principle it's teaching a farmer went out to sow next as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Next, some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, 
the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Next. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 10. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the on the outside, everything is said, everything on the outside, but those, to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. But Marco, pause there for a second. This is what he's saying. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. He gives us an idea of the kingdom. He says the kingdom is like a farmer that goes to sow. But there are many things he also said that we need to tie together. He said the kingdom of God is no longer in heaven. But the kingdom of God has come to earth. And the kingdom of God is where? The kingdom of God is where? In you. He's saying the kingdom of God has come in you. The kingdom of God is no longer in heaven. The kingdom of God has come in you. And he says the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when he's saying that a farmer went to sow, the kingdom has come in you. He's talking about your heart as the soil for the seed. And he's saying ultimately, whatever you sow in the seed of your, your, your heart will, will germinate. So the realities we live in today are the seeds of yesterday, whether intentional or not. We plant the seeds of yesterday. So your financial state, your emotional state, your spiritual state, all the, all the problems you're grappling with, you planted wrong concepts, wrong seeds. But let's see. Twelve. So, they may be ever seen but never perceiving. Okay, we're still talking. Keep Go to thirteen. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Because this is the parable of parables. Fifteen. Fourteen. The farmer sows, this, the, sows the word. So this is where he gives them the, the clue. The word is the seed. And when you plant the seed, you don't even need to know how it grows. Just plant the seed and step aside. And it will grow. But if you plant the seeds of doubt, the seeds of fear, the old man, the false self, is rooted in fear. His worldview is about fear. Fear of dying, fear of living, fear of being cheated, fear that Nigeria will fall apart, fear of not getting a job, fear of not having a husband. Even when they get a husband, fear of not having babies. They get babies, fear of the babies dying. Like, there is this endless... The, the, the fear just keeps on taking on new nature, right? Anytime you, your work with God takes you farther away from, take you more to fear, that's not the journey of the kingdom. The truth of the kingdom, it says that perfect love casts away all fears, right? Wherever the Lord is, there can be no fear. He doesn't coexist with fear. He doesn't coexist with fear. When you talk about fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord they're referring to is more of reverence and awe more than, than trepidation. It's more of reverence than trepidation. But he goes on to say, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word at once and receive it with joy. So this is a typical black church. Like a black American church. You know, there's a lot of, they're giving you the word. There's a lot of joy and excitement. Because it's not the Sunday sermon that does it. It's that when you take it from here, do you go back to those scriptures and reflect over them? So if you're not writing, I don't know what you're going back to. 
Because you need to dwell on these things so they can become life to you. So when you know that, okay, if you come back here, you, you know you're, you're speaking the word. You see the way Jesus interacted with his disciples. Disciples were speaking from fear. He spoke from faith. He spoke from trust. He spoke from an elevated place of saying, guys, there is possibilities in God. So the plan God has for you, he has already, re he's working with you to co-create your destiny. The man that is in separation will be looking for purpose and looking for will. But the man that is in union knows that the mind of Christ has become like God works in him to will and to do. So my prayer every day is, Father, I, I die to myself so I can come alive in your will. Right? I don't want to have myself derailed. So I pray that prayer because I know that I can't miss it. But see, he's given us the clue. What are you? So my question for you in 2020, don't live your life without thoughts if you don't think the possibilities and your imagination is not just giving for spiritual activation your imagination is not for porn your imagination is a factory of reality so you have to lend your imagination to create things so you have to envision things think about how God helped Jacob Jacob was having an intense um, competition and God gave him a clue spotted, striped and sparkled right and guess what what you see you become when God met Abraham, the first thing he did to Abraham, he told Abraham, look to the skies, right? As much as you can see, I've given you for a possession. God was transforming his imagination. Because if you want to transform a man, his imagination is a half-done job. He's not fully made. So God deconstructed it. And that's what Jesus was doing. So he told them, if you see one man, a dead man, come back to life, you will believe again. And he said, I'm happy that the opportunity of dead Lazarus is so I can show you life guys, you carry God. You don't just carry God, you are one with Him. Say, I'm one with Him. So what's the implication of this? When God came into the picture in Genesis, there was chaos. He did not say, ah, the earth is so filthy. I can't stay here. Ah, this is such, I, 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 no, this is too dark for me. I'm, I'm not going to be able to deal with this, man. I have to go to Mars. This earth ain't going to work. Guess what he did? He spoke. He said, let there be light. There was light. So suddenly we realized that the chaos was a backdrop, a canvas for him to design a beautiful world. He brought out the beauty out of chaos. If you think your life is chaotic, it's a good place. Because out of that place, he will bring beauty. But he wants to bring the beauty with you. There is a beauty in you that God is waiting to dial out. If you think that your life right now, that, you know, somebody said uh, um, he's broke. He said, um, there's a way he said it. He said, I'm seeing my period. And I was getting worried. And he said, I'm broke. It's red. Right? And I'm thinking, can't we be saying, how is this, in my, how is this example adding up? But I don't know if you are in that kind of place where you feel like your bank account is red. God can bring much out of it. God can bring much out of it. So I want us to, this morning, just reflect where we are. Maybe you've been running your business for a while. And well, let's not, you know, again, in First Peter 2 verse 9, I was going to read it. Let, let me do that here so that, Mark, that final scripture. Yeah, Proverbs 23, 7. Guys, write it and go back to it. This one, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him, who called you out of darkness. But where I want us to dwell is that place where he said you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. 
in the TPT translation, it says for you are priests and kings. Now, there are two dimensions to you. Your priesthood dimension is what we are doing today. That when we wake up in the morning, we go down to him in prayer. We steward our affections as all around him. Our priesthood dimension is that our work is worship. But our kingdom dimension is that God is glorified in our work. Let me explain it for you. A king, let me give you an example of a king. A king, uh, you see this um, Steve Jobs, he's a king. And I'll explain why. Today, if, if you're sitting down here, you're probably holding something. God tapped into his divinity. He tapped into something in him that can create. He didn't even go to school. He was just drop out, doing calligraphy here and all of those things. But he, was, he understood something. If you listen to that man, that man got something. My point is, we are in a generation where people are separating both. But God wants to unite it. I'm a full-time businessman. So if you're looking for a full-time pastor, you miss it too. Because my examples are going to be as much circular as it gets. Because God did not, Jesus is not used only temple, he used fishes and, and um, he spoke about farming. Because back in the day, farmers and fishermen were the, were the stock in trade. They were the profession in town. So it's okay if I tell you that reality is like user interface. Code. The other was telling you that, think of oneness as an where God installed himself inside of every one of us. So, there is so much more I want to reflect in closing. And it's really about taking opportunity, this 2020, to work with God to design the life you always wanted to live. If God is, is not wrong to desire things, right? But if you know God has a plan for you, and that plan is that you want to sit down and let it fall on your lap, it's very unlikely that you're misinterpreting what the plan of God is. The plan of God that God has for you is something he co-creates with you. And today, people are, are all the terrorists, they've taken on the nature of a God that can kill. And they're killing because that's what they've become. We, we have taken a nature of God that is love. We're taking a nature of a God that can create. So what are you creating? When God created us, he went to rest because we are now the ones to create. He gave us everything we need. So you can decide to look at the trees and make furniture. Or you can look at the trees and make crosses. But God gave us trees. Some made crosses and are distributing crosses all over the place. Some made furniture and they are making the place look beautiful. He gave us both. Some take the, the elements of nature and make it into a nuclear bomb. Some use it to power electricity. So it's not really bad. It's what you do with it. God has given you so much in Christ. He has fully reclaimed and redeemed you. You are no longer under condemnation. So let's accept here now and then that your thought is as important and the most important thing in your life. And if your thoughts is not siding with God, you are the only person that you are, you are the one giving yourself permission to suffer. You see the suffering you're suffering now. It's self-inflicted. Sorry for sounding harsh. Because if you are deliberate about abiding in who you are in God, depression can't last a day. Trust me, I, I know depression. I was very intimate with depression. In fact, my, dep my own depression was chronic. Like, it, I, And you know what they used to say of me? That his thing has come on him. So I would actually withdraw. Right? And I felt legitimate to be, not to even talk to somebody. You understand? Like, I just log out. And everybody accepted it. 
right? There was a girl I was even dating one time. This thing hit me. You know, so I was not picking calls. I just, I, I was not in the space. By the time I returned, <laughs> babe has moved on. And this was, we were doing our masters at the time. She was, she was dating a guy around the corner. So fast. But I realized it's time to deal with this thing, right? But then, because I had a theory, my theory was that she was the will of God for my life. I actually believed that she was the will of God for my life. So guess what I was doing? I was waiting for the guy to die. Sorry, guys. I, I mean, I was that sad. Because when he was growing, I felt like that was not the will of God. I know, the, I know I'm the will of God. Yes. Free yourself. Free yourself. You understand? Well, it's just a vulnerable moment. But my point is that no, I, I, that was how hot I was. You understand? Like, you know, thank God we're not America because, you know, you don't want to see a killer. Like, you know, but, you know, those people that will go off the edge. But one day I started to, I was reading, I was reading this guy's book, uh, E.W. Kenyon, The New Creation Realities. E.W. Kenyon was talking about that I see, do you know what it is? That if you believe you're depressed, you're right. If you believe that you've overcome depression, you're right. If you believe you come back, you're right. You're all just farther along along your belief system. And your belief system is your key to unlock the supernatural. So if you believe that, so stop legitimizing your dysfunction. Stop legitimizing, stop validating it and say, this is who I am. You are whole. Rise up to it. Awaken to the reality that you're complete in God. You're not lacking anything. Don't hide in labels. Don't hide in masks like, okay, I need, a, I need dreadlocks so I'll look cooler. Not bad, but incomplete. Right? Don't hide behind power bikes. You know, I have one of my, he's riding around town. He went to put my name, you know, that place so that if you have accident, they'll call you. Right? I told him, remove it. You know, at the end of the day, even I, I know that there's it, I see him boiling. Like, my friend, you know what? He was telling me, you know, you know the beauty about this thing, friend? Like, we're a community now. Like, like we're, we're kind of, we're, we're a community right ourselves. Like, we ride on Sunday mornings. Say, okay? We ride to Ibadan. Okay? You understand? So, and, and I, I was telling that, but you know, this ain't gonna last. Like, it's not about trying to use power bike to distract the gap in your heart. Is that one day the power bike will cross. You wake up and say, who am I now aside the power, aside the bike? So we hide under these things. You hide under a job. And you carry your, 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 your and you know, the false man can either be superior or inferior. It's because he's always in competition. So he's always gauging himself through the lens of other people's successes. The, the, the inferior side, they'll say, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. You're good enough. You're worthy of his affection. You're worthy of his love. If God that is pure loves you, why would you not love yourself? I, don't, I want to just rock, close your eyes and, and reflect. And what I want you to spend the time to do is just revisit your thought process. Revisit your beliefs. What are the negative things about you that you that have somehow limited you? You feel you don't have a degree. I can't go beyond this because there is no degree. You feel like mm, I don't have money so I can't try that. I'm not eloquent so I can't, I can't preach the word. What is that thing that is limiting us? God has broken the boundaries, the bars of iron and turned them asunder. But we're going to put the bar of iron again with our fears, our misconceptions of life. Every negative concept of life Every, every concept of scarcity, every concept of lack, every concept of fear, every concept of 
all the negative concepts of condemnation and guilt, those concepts are broken. You're no longer that. You're no longer that person. He, he who the son sets free is free indeed. You're free in him. So I want you to just go back in your mind, wherever you are. If depression traumatized you in 2019, not another deal. Please, know this now. Not another day in this year will you allow depression wear its ugly head. Because why? You are sorted. You're free. It can't hold you down. The power depression has over you is the power you give it. What are your fears about your future? There's nothing in it for me. All the good guys are gone. All the good ladies are gone. Or there is no good lady. Brother, break the concepts. Just dwell on the thoughts of who God says you are. He's called you his own, beloved. He said you are blameless. You are innocent. He has put his life in you. He has put his spirit in you. And as we're praying, I want to extend an invitation for some people here who really feel like their process is almost like a stronghold. That the way we are talking about it is almost trivializing it. For them, they know that this is, they've tried to break out of the thought. The thought is not breaking away. They wake up every night with the thought staring them in the face. And you know that this is, in your, your mind, you feel like this is spiritual. I can't break from this. Losing my mind, I feel like I'm losing my mind because you become so bonded with that broken side of you that you don't, you've lost your essence to that side. You, you've lost your essence to that part of you. There is more to you than that, right? But if you're here and you're dealing with those things, you've wrestled with depression, you're de dealing with fear at, an, at a deeper level, just put your hand on your chest, let's pray with you. Put your hand on your chest. If you're sitting close to them, please stretch your hands and touch them and hold their hands. If you're sitting close to anyone that is holding, and let's hold their hands and pray. We're going to pray and extend joy and extend strength and grace. Father, we pray for healing and wholeness. We're praying for everyone that has somehow been dealing with fear and shame and loss, a sense of inadequacy, those insecurities. You are not your insecurities. 2020 is a different year. Let every insecurity crumble. Shame is a different year now. You can't come into this new year with me. Uncertainty rattled by, by fear, mistrust, the sense of worthlessness. We break it, we break it, Father. We break it, we break it. We declare today that your healing and your wholeness will ravage these ones, overwhelm them with your presence even now. We decree, O oh God, over these over this ones that wholeness, they've come to wholeness. We break the concept, the negative concept, the false concepts, the fear concept, the limiting concepts of the enemy. And for the rest of us, I want to pray that, pray for your imagination, pray for your hearts, the healing of your mind, and the healing of your hearts. I don't know what you've been through, but the healing of your mind, 
and the healing of your hearts. Let's rise up as we pray this and then let's rise up. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.